welcome to SBO Perspectives, the pulse of school business. In the official podcast of ASBO International. That's right. And I am Dr. Jack R. Mitchell, here along with the esteemed John Bricado. And yes, we are here. We actually, John, I don't know if you know this, um, we're in the hundreds now um, as far as episodes are concerned. We are. Breaking yeah, the ground. Up, the last episode was 100. And so, um, you know, we don't disappoint and we do our best. We strive to bring you something new, formative, and very helpful. Um, I think that for folks hearing this upcoming podcast, you're going to get a different sense of perspective. And that's what we're all about, SPL Perspective. So, uh, John, why don't you let the folks know who we have on? Yeah, today we're reaching across the pond again to the UK, and we have Stephen Morales on. He's the CEO of the Institute of School Business Leadership, and we talk a lot about what those in the UK have to deal with, with whether it be politics or just funding mechanisms, and you know, we just go over some disparities in terms of how certain schools are funded, and even though maybe they have the same demographic, depending on where they're located mm-hmm. in the country, could have a completely different set of funding me- mechanisms, you know, dollars yeah. per student kind of thing. So really fascinating. And, you know, we, we remarked throughout the episode how it's just nice to have that different perspective because we deal with a lot of the same issues. And even though we're in different right. countries, uh, we're able to kind of come together and kind of brainstorm and, and figure those things out. So we have a great episode today, and we hope you enjoy our conversation with Stephen Morales. Today on the podcast, we have Stephen Morales. Stephen is the CEO of the Institute of School Business Leadership in the UK. Stephen, welcome to the podcast. We're happy to have you. Hey, hey how you doing? Very good. Good to be here. Thank you. Yeah, oh, thank you, you for being on. Um, you know, ever since we've uh, started this endeavor, um, and then now have expanded, right, um, with Asthma International, it's been really great to meet so many different individuals, not just in the U.S., but even now, essentially yourself, across the world. So um, we're really excited about this um, upcoming um, episode. So, you know, Stephen, I guess every one of our listeners, when they, at the onset of, of hearing who's on and getting a sense of who they are, you know, we, we looked at this, maybe just if you could tell us about, you know, your background, about your experience, just a little something that, you know, folks may not know, um, just to get us rolling. Sure. Uh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I've got a long, a long relationship with uh, Asbro International. Um, I've, I've been in, in my post uh, approaching 10 years now. Um, before that, I was a uh, finance director of a school just outside of London. Uh, and prior to that, I kind of cut my teeth um, in change management. I worked for a couple of investment banks, and I worked for a council uh, where I introduced quality assurance. And uh, yeah, so I guess uh, a big part of my background has always been um, looking at how we can can make improvements, how we can continue on that on that journey journey of exploration to find out new ways to innovate, new ways to, 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 to tackle a task in a different way. And um, always really interested to kind of keep my eyes open in terms of you know, what we can learn from others. So that's, that for me was, was why this relationship with ASBO was, was so important. Uh, because I, I, I think that, you know, step outside your, your school gates, you learn, you go beyond your district, you learn, you go from country to country and you learn. Um, that's, that's, you know, we're kind of made up as human beings. We, we learn from our adventures. We learn from our mistakes. Uh, you know, we can't we can't experience things unless we 
uh, unless we're prepared to take a, a few a few risks. So that's kind of the, the, the way that the, the way that I um, that's, that's kind of that's my my philosophy. Um, in terms of my role in the UK, um, we, we've we've gone through various uh, changes of, of government policy. Um, uh, just like you guys in the US, uh, there are in in what we call state education, there are two broad approaches. One is um, through academies, which is groups of schools working collaboratively together, and the other model is uh, individual schools that report into a, um, a local council or, 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 or to give you the comparison, a district. Um, when, when you were finance director, which model did you kind of operate in? So I, I moved from from one to the other. So I, I started... Oh, okay, so you have experience in both. Yeah, so I started in the, in the model, which was single school with direct accountability to the district and then moved to um, Academy Trust, where you've got... Nice. Where you have more autonomy uh, and you have a direct relationship with the Secretary of State um and yeah it's uh the, the, the stakes are higher the autonomy is greater the freedoms in theory are, are are greater but the scrutiny is yeah it's 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 hard work a little more intense more intense yeah absolutely do, do, do they call you guys spos out there too school business officials or no well, we, we, we've kind of jumped around a little bit so so we've gone from bursa to school business manager to school business professional so <laughs> okay school business leaders and in that, <laughs> in that mix, I guess just like you guys, we have chief operating officers, chief finance officers, directors of It's interesting. It's it's yeah, it's curious. Yeah, and and it, and it you know creates in its own way it creates complications because you when, when you talk about a school business professional or a school business official, you don't really know what that means. What yeah. that is? Yeah, right. I'm yeah. still saying yeah. out there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that. So, Stephen, you've been at uh, the Institute of School Business Leadership for about five years now, if I'm not mistaken. Do you do you kind of miss being at the school level um, now that you've been in this position for some time, or yeah, you know, uh, how's that working out for you? Yeah, no, I, I definitely miss miss being. It's, been, it's almost ten years now, actually. Um, so um, it's been it's been a while, but I, I, I make an effort to, to go into schools and trusts, uh, yeah. trusts being academy trusts, the groups of schools. Um, but yeah, I make a conscious effort to get into into schools because they don't really think you can appreciate uh what's going on on the front line unless you're there unless you're breathing it unless you feel it uh, and touch it um our, our politicians don't do enough of it to be honest so they sure. make big decisions from way up high um and, and they're not they're not connected enough uh so yeah yeah I, I i mean i guess short answer to your question is yes i do miss i do miss you know what it means to be in a, in, in a place where children are developing and learning um but I, I guess I'm privileged in that I can jump from setting to setting from one corner of the country to another. And that in its own way is pretty rewarding. Yeah, yeah. Very, very interesting. So, you know, as we said, you're, you're the CEO of the Institute of School Business Leadership or ISBL. Yeah. For those listening who are not familiar with the organization, can you kind of explain what that is and, you know, what are some of your goals and, and what role do you play in that organization? Sure. Um, so we have moved um, over the last 10 years from being an association, uh, a sector body, if you like, to a professional institute. And we, we converted in 2017 to becoming a, uh, an institute. Uh, and there, it, it's, it's quite subtle, but it's important. So we don't, we're not a union. Um, so we don't we don't uh, we're not we're not geared up to uh, to support colleagues with their 
working conditions and their pay and welfare and other such uh, such matters, we're interested, and of course we will advocate for a wherever possible for a good good deal for our for our members. But our principal function is about uh, uh, capability uh, and competency. So so we, we, we're trying to develop a workforce that can respond to the complexities that are in, in front of them, and we take everybody from that entry level all the way through to executive executive leadership um and we, we have a portfolio of qualifications um that cover that range and those qualifications are underpinned by our professional standards which again are endorsed by by the entire sector so that's the department for education that's professional bodies unions and other key stakeholders um so there's legitimacy in in, in us using those as, as the reference point um but yeah, I mean, our, principally our work is about making school business professionals better tomorrow than they are today, uh, and we're kind of, we're, we're kind of in, relentless in that in that task. That's that's what we're about. Yeah, I, I think that the job has gotten more complicated as time has gone on. Are you seeing greater participation and membership in in recent years? Especially, you know, we're seeing at least here in the states that you know, being on the tail end of the the height of the pandemic, people are needing each other more, more professional development, more resources to be uh, better able to kind of carry out their work. Are you seeing something similar with the ISBL? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we've got this this issue. So there's, there's uh, what I would describe as a kind of quite significant rationalization taking place right now. So we've got um, new opportunities at the most senior level, uh, because we've got these uh, more complex structures forming. Uh, you know, a a large multi-academy trust in some cases has budgets that exceed a district. So, you know, they're, they're, they're enormous, enormous entities in their own right and they have huge levels of complexity. Um, so there are new opportunities at the most senior level and there's new opportunities for specialists as well. So, you know, it's not uncommon for a, a, a multi-academy trust to have a a finance director, a chief operating officer, a CTO, a head of estates, uh, a head of school improvement, um, a marketing director. So you know, th- these kind of strands are very specialist, and they, uh, I guess, the glue that brings them together is either the chief operating officer or the role of the chief executive in kind of that helicopter helicopter view. So what that means, is, and there are so there are more senior opportunities um, than there were before. But by definition, there won't be as many opportunities for everybody to, to fulfil those roles. If if you follow right. me, understood. Right. And, what, and what that means is that we've got we've got those that are aspiring to work in those senior roles, and then we've got a recalibration at a local level where mm-hmm. you know, these generalists uh, that were kind of spinning many plates uh, either are having some of that some of those tasks taken away, and they've got to choose whether they comfortable with a more admin focused role or whether they want to specialize or develop and promote themselves or go on that journey to become a, a senior executive and that's 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 where we are where we are so our membership is is pretty stable um it's, okay. it's not growing or shrinking um we we also have this uh, dynamic i guess within our system is that many of our members are uh, grew up through the National College. So in the mid-2000s, when there was a big, big government push and massive funding support mm-hmm. the development of professionals in the mid-2000s. And those individuals probably would have been, you know, in their early 40s, rolled on, you know, 15, 20 years, and they're approaching retirement. So we've, we've got a big challenge in succession 
you know, where are the new people coming from? Where's that talent pipeline coming? How, mm. do we, how do we get young people excited about this, about this profession? And I think it's a combination of um, it's, um, it's postgraduates. It will be um, individuals coming from different sectors. And how do we, you know, how do we uh, get them excited about working in, in education? Um, and it will be in part an appetite with the old guard, if you like, to bring these new talented people through. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so that, you know, that, 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 that's, that's kind of uh, where we are. Yeah, that's, we, a, you know, that's a huge endeavor. Go ahead, John. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was just going to say we're, we're experiencing something pretty similar here too where, you know, we have a – especially in New York, we've talked about this on the podcast before. We have a lot of retirements coming up and not a lot of qualified people to backfill those retirements. So it's getting out there at the college level, university level, and letting people know that this position exists because not many people, as far as we know, grow up aspiring to be a school business official or CFO of a, of a school district. So really getting the name out there, getting the profession out there is, is more important, I think, than it ever has been in the past. Yeah, um, you know, and I, I would just say it's very commendable what you just stated, Stephen. You know, this is a huge endeavor you're facing, but you're you're ahead of the curve. You're looking forward thinking and and finding a way to bring tremendous value to profession and doing so through ISBL is is very rewarding, as you said, and exciting too. So um I think that um, you know, what what you're doing could also be a model, perhaps for others and, and as we make, as John said, um this transition ourselves on our end. Um you know, with that, Steve, I wanted to ask you, I don't know if you're too familiar with our podcast because we're still um, growing somewhat. You may or may not be too familiar with it. Um, but we recorded um, the perspective of another SBL um, from the UK. It was back in February. Her name was Cheryl Campbell. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, she mentioned uh, the different boroughs and Academy Trusts um, and stated how, how they're much smaller than the size of many of our districts out here. Yeah. Um, so I'm just want to get a sense, I guess, if all things are the same, more or less in UK, uh, the schools that are under your purview throughout the association, are they similarly positioned? And also one of the things that picked up from that conversation was, um, the funding happened to be solely from the central government, which is it's totally different. It's, it's, it's foreign to us over here. Um, you know, we get different multiple and it's so many disparities over here, but, um, that's what I wanted to know. And if if not the case, do you look ever look for other opportunities to locate other funding sources or ways to reduce your expenses? Yeah, so, so a couple of things. I know, I know Cheryl, Cheryl very well. Um, she, she's a fantastic advocate for, for the. Oh, nice. Right. You know, okay, great. And she she set up her own uh, her own uh, awesome her, her own group, which is which is brilliant. And, and her group is, is really focused on on the diversity um, aspect of things, which is which is wonderful. Um, she um yeah she works in a particular context she so she's one of these maintained she she operates in a maintained school and a maintained school is a school that 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 uh, reports directly to the to the district to the to the to the council if you like um so she's not in one of these um in more independent academies um in terms of the funding um there is there is in part, the, the argument that money comes directly from the centre, uh, exclusively from the centre, and that's it, is um, in part is correct, but it but it doesn't just come straight from the centre. What happens in our system is that local authorities 
develop okay. a, form- a formula which they think best serves the needs of their community. Mm. They'll attract they'll attract funding from the centre based on the number of pupils they have and the characteristics of those pupils. But mm. once they receive the funding, they can they can you know they can play around with that money a little bit and they can move money across the local authority, put it into deprivation or not. They can go for a particular uh, phase of education, emphasize that more than um, you know, elementary level. Uh, so they can do all kinds of jiggery-pokery, uh, which is problematic in that um, depending on the emphasis that a local authority has and a particular leaning, you will see a similar school in different parts of the country having very different funding settlements. Um like enormously different. Uh, I mean, just to give you this a bit of an exaggerated version, but in some local authorities, um, a secondary school pupil, so somebody between 11 and 16, might attract up to £8,000 per pupil. And a similar school okay. in a different part of the country will attract only £5,000 per pupil, wow. which is a massive wow. disparity. Yeah. Sure. But the accountability and the, and the judgments that come from government on performance don't change so there's no there's no leniency it's not like oh we understand that you get three thousand pound more because of your local context uh we're, we're going to let you off the hook none of that the scrutiny <laughs> is just as just as hard so we've got pockets of deprivation across the across the country um and underfunded schools um that are really finding things difficult and with everything else that's going on at the moment with the you know with the war in ukraine and the energy crisis and hyper mm-hmm. over here Glad it's it's it, it, it's it's really tough it's really tough for the more generously funded schools but for those that are you know at the bottom of the pecking order it's it's, it's almost impossible so, so being that there is such disparity where does if anywhere advocacy come into the mix to our school districts and, and school authorities advocating to local councils and, and authorities for yeah. more equitable funding formulas across the country or how, how does that look in the UK yeah so so the advocacy for a fairer funding system generally comes from the sector bodies at a local level there, there is very little advocacy uh, and, and, and part of that is because of the complexity. So to understand the formula, you've got to be really in the weeds, and for most practitioners, it's beyond them. Um, and even you know, well, 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 you know, very accomplished CFOs and, and accountants in our system, unless they've been really close to the formula, they wouldn't necessarily understand the the intricacies. So sector bodies like like the institute, the unions, and, and there are a couple of other um, the trade associations that uh, that make representations to government about about funding. The trouble, the trouble is, uh, as ever, there. Are, whenever you recalibrate funding, there are winners and losers. So you know you can get ten head teachers in a room, and they can all agree on fairer funding, as long as it doesn't mean they we're taking any money away from them. So you can have a really generously funded school, a head teacher around the table saying, "Yeah, we 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 agree with fair funding, but don't take any mm-hmm. money off me." <laughs> so lift everybody, <laughs> lift everybody else up. Uh, don't take money no. from me. So, so, so it can be polarising. And, and so, when we when we talk about an equitable funding formula that um, that uses sensible uh, proxies, so uh, pupil characteristics, phase, deprivation, uh, prior learning, English as a second language, all those those kind of things, we can get to a number, uh, but then we put it to the sector, and because it means a redistribution, a re- recalibration, it's not palatable. 
So people understand the arguments, but come the hour, when well, right. are they prepared to, to give give up ground in the interest of others? I mean, I guess, I guess the kind of straightforward answer, but this is never going to happen. Never going to happen with this government. Yeah, that's is, how you feel. Is is you grow the pie to make the pie bigger? Um, I mean, there's the carving up of the pie, so it's fairly carved up. But right. if the pie's too small in the first place, then you've got a real, a, a real issue. And we have this real tension as well, which I'm sure you, we, you, you will experience in the US. Um, we we have what's called basic entitlement. So a child attracts a basic entitlement in terms of, in terms of funding based on on, on their age and their, um, and their characteristics. And then we have this chunk of the pie which is called additionality. So children with special needs, uh, children mm-hmm. with abilities. Now, that chunk of the pie is growing all the time. So that, that there is more need in the system almost on a daily basis. We need to do more for those disadvantaged right. people. Um, okay. and, and if the pie stays the same size, all that happens is that there is less basic entitlement. Um, and that is a, that's a huge tension. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to go too far down the political rabbit hole, but has the churning out of prime ministers in the UK affected your job and the job of school officials? I mean, you've had three prime ministers in the past, you know, 50 days right. or something like that. We've we, 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 we had five secretary of states since July. So, so yeah. every time a new prime yeah. minister or a new secretary of state uh, comes into office, I, I, write, this is true. I write them a letter. So I've run out of ink. I run out. Of- <laughs> <laughs> so, so no, it, 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 it's 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 madness. And, and what happens is, um, what what happens is everything grinds to a halt because you know, Secretary of State comes into into office, they have to get their feet under the table, they have to work with their advisors, they have to set direction, and and then they have to you know develop proposals. Now, of course, uh, but so yeah. if they're only in office for, for, well, in some cases a day, uh, uh, from the priority, yeah. <laughs> lastly three or four weeks, um, yeah. you know, they, they haven't even got the pen, the, 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 the ink's not even dry on their proposals before the, the next person's coming in. So, so mm-hmm. probably for six months as sector leaders, we've been a bit rudderless. We've got a white paper that was produced in May and we thought we knew where we were heading and since mm. then, everything's just stalled. So we don't know. We, we don't, well, first of all, we don't know how to advise our our communities um, with their long term plans. Um, we don't know how to. You know, it's difficult for us to make counter representation. So when a proposal comes through, we might we might uh, offer that critical friend perspective. Uh, mm-hmm. We can't really do that because uh, it would go into the ether. Um, and we're not having yeah. any airtime. We're not having time with uh, with ministers and senior officials to talk through what the next six months looks like. So yeah, it, it's very much uh, yeah, it's it, it's problematic because we can't we can't progress the conversation now. I, I know <laughs> I'm touching wood. Uh, I, I think I think we might be in for a period of relative stability now i don't know whether that's six months okay. or a year but i'll take six months right now i mean i'll you know get <laughs> right it sounds like six months would be pretty stable given the recent yeah. history the most assurance you can get right yeah exactly that <laughs> oh good so, good well hopefully you know we, we hope it it, be, it gets more stable in the uk especially you know for the benefit of, of students and in, in, in learning but um changing gears a little bit can you just give us an overview of really the budgeting process um, for these schools, for you and what you've experienced and what are some of the challenges that you've faced in, in constructing a budget year to year? 
So, so from are you talking from a practitioner perspective, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so again, two two different. We have two different systems running side by side. So, the local authority or council approach, which I talked about, um, mm-hmm. and and their 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 budget cycle uh, runs um, runs slightly differently. It's a financial year, so it runs from April to the end of March. Uh, and for academies, it's uh, it's calendar it's calendar year. So um, okay, it's uh, December to well, it's first January to the end of end of December. So we've got these two systems that straddle each other, which again makes things slightly slightly complicated. But for a practitioner, normally what you'd be doing, you'd be looking probably looking to start to cast your budget around the time when uh, when teachers can that. There's a, there's a there's an upper end at which point teachers can give their notice in. So I don't know right. how it works in your in your system, but uh, we would expect teachers to be um, be giving in their, their their notice probably by about May, um, possibly before, okay. possibly around Easter time. And, and once sure. once we've got we know who's leaving the the, the school and who's going to come in. That's the point at which we'll we'll have some certainty over our biggest cost base, which is uh, which is teachers. There's eighty percent of the budget are, are, are teachers. So, so once we've got that pretty stable, then we can start to you know start to build our assumptions around all the other cost pressures that we might face. Um, mm-hmm. At the moment, again, things like energy make things really difficult because we've got no certainty. We've only got certainty yes. for, six, for six months. There's a energy. Right. Cap deal in place till uh till till i believe um next march but after that we you know we're, we're completely in, mm-hmm. in the wilderness um what threw schools out of uh, well it, it, it completely messed their budgets up this year was that the, the the settlement for teacher pay increases was was uh was agreed in the summer holiday break and budgets had already been set, so everybody had set their budgets. They sent in their forecasts. They completed their their, their strategy returns. And two months later, uh, there was an agreement to pay teachers five percent more than had been agreed. So there was a five percent hole in everyone's budget for every teacher, which was you know enormous. Wow, wow! If you're talking five, you know five percent on eighty percent of your budget, that's a that's a big number. Um, sure. Yeah. So, Sounds like- yeah. So, so, um, so, no. Yeah, norm, norm, normally, what we'd be doing is we'd be, yeah, thinking very, very carefully about about uh, uh, the teacher, the teacher um, expenditure, uh, support staff expenditure, leadership expenditure, making sure that's that's all all pretty shored up by um, by Easter, the very latest May. Okay. And then working our assumptions around the other the other costs, and then we might we might be thinking also at that point about capital projects. So capital projects we want to we want to execute during mm-hmm. the summer period, um, and you know we'll be looking at what capital funding is available, what what we might be able to seek from um, uh, through various bids that that, that might be open, uh, although they probably would have happened. Um, uh, in the months prior, um, and then, and then plotting plotting a way forward on any kind of growth plans that that we might have, and that could be improving 
provision in a particular faculty or investing in equipment that um, is cyclical and all those kind of things start to get get woven in but i think the most important thing that that you know, our school leaders and their finance leads will be focused on is do we have sufficient funds to keep the building running and to pay the teachers that really? to, to deliver teaching and learning and then everything else is kind of a bit of a bonus um that mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that that that's the, the kind of the, the icing on, on, on the cake if, if you will so, Steve, I mean, you know, we, we actually uh, hit upon a lot of the points that we wanted to discuss with you today. Um, and we even mentioned a little to the political realm, which is a really interesting there, <laughs> to say the least. Um, you know, with everyone that comes on, um, we always like to get a sense of, you know, what advice you may have to offer. Um, so, you know, from your counterparts to your fellow SBLs over here, what is the best piece of advice you think you can offer? Yeah, so so what I'm saying to my community, and hopefully it resonates with uh, with, with your guys as well, is that um, our, our job is to, to 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 do the best that we can with the resources that are available to us. And uh, there are, there are moments in our careers where we'll have uh, an abundance of money. Well, maybe not that often, but sometimes there's more of an abundance of money and and cash to play with, and that's great fun, and we can do really interesting things. And there's times like now when things are incredibly tight and incredibly challenging um and 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 we should you know we should invest some time in in lobbying and you know holding out political masters to account and asking for a better deal but we shouldn't lose sight i don't think ever of making sure that what we've got in front of us we do the best with to to make the best difference to children that we serve that that's that that's where i think our focus needs to be a kind of relentless focus on this is what we have how do we make the best of it, and how do we change uh, the fortunes of the people, that, you know, the okay. people that we that we take care of? Yeah, well, Great. Stephen, very well said. I mean, it, we need to keep the students in in the focus, and that's our priority, well, right? And as yeah. you said, everything else is is nice icing on the cake. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, thank you so much for your time today. It was great to, to speak to someone yes. else across the pond and get another perspective uh, on the Thanks, podcast. Yeah. No, no, it's been an absolute, absolute pleasure. Thank you again for tuning in this week to SBO Perspectives. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Stephen today. Uh, really, really great insight on what those yeah, in the UK yeah. are having to deal with from a political standpoint and how that mm-hmm. intercedes with, you know, the education of students. And I really like how he focuses on, you know, the, the education of the student as the priority. Everything else mm-hmm. is kind of icing on the cake and, and a nice to have. Yep. That was a huge take home. Um, it, it was great to hear sense of how things run over there um, from the macro level. Just, you know, him working across the board. I, I think that uh, for us, understanding again, too, like how we took it to the political piece, how, you know, we have to pivot and and all be able to advocate just like as they're doing over there um, in many different ways. Um, but definitely, I would say a riveting conversation um, only because you know that like when you see that the disparities here, um, you know there's disparities other places too. But how, how are things being done and how they're looking forward thinking for business leaders in the future, um, I think it was really good. And he talked about how he actually gets together with other um, countries that have a conference. So it'd be interesting yeah, to see yeah. how things play out and you know we'll, we'll stay in tune. But for folks listening, we hope you enjoy it. And each week, you know, we like I said, uh, we try to present you with the best um, for your perspective to ours. Yeah, we'll see you next week, everyone. Thank you.
Thank you.